to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is Evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. Several years ago, an event happened at Florida State Prison that gave many people a sense of satisfaction and peace. Ted Bundy, you see, a convicted criminal, a man whose crimes had shocked the nation, had just received the end result of his sentence of capital punishment. Outside the prison, many people stood waving signs indicating their approval that justice had been served. Inside, however, just minutes before his sentence was carried out, Ted Bundy began speaking about a more shocking revelation than was ever revealed at his trial. You see, during Bundy's stay in prison, he had become a Christian. Even in saying that now, I suspect that many of you may have mixed reactions. You may have questions. How could anyone believe a man like that? Is he sincere or is he just using God? Could Jesus really forgive someone who has done those things? How could God really love that kind of man? And perhaps the question closest to home, how could God really love him as much as he loves me? At some level, there is something scandalous about stories like the conversion of Ted Bundy. Something that just doesn't sit right with many people, even many church people. I ask you to think of the finest, most upstanding person you know. Think of a respected person and a pillar of the community, yet who is not a Christian, and for whatever reason has no interest in becoming one. Now think of the world's most wicked man, perhaps an Adolf Hitler or Saddam Hussein. And now consider this. If a wicked man like that sought the forgiveness of Jesus Christ at his last hour, he would receive that forgiveness and be ushered into paradise just like the thief on the cross. And if the widely respected pillar of the community passed into his eternity without seeking the forgiveness of Jesus, he would receive the just penalty for his unrepentant heart. Now this very biblical, very scandalous revelation may be met with some wide-eyed stares and confused looks, but after some biblical discussion, I believe every one of us would be convinced that while it may be hard to swallow, that's God's truth. Well, today we meet a first-century comparison to Ted Bundy, a man named Cornelius. And while the Bible calls him a devout and God-fearing man to Peter and the rest of his fellow Jews, Cornelius was a Gentile. He wasn't a Jew. Let's see how the story unfolds that scandalous day in first-century Palestine in Acts chapter 10, verses 23 to 48. Then Peter invited the men to the house to be his guests. The next day, Peter started out with them, and some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. 
So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Cornelius answered, Three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power, and how he went about doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. Friends, God had been preparing Peter for some time to bring Jesus to non-Jewish people. The Holy Spirit had been chiseling away at the prejudice in Peter's heart. And today we see the masterpiece of his sculpting come to life before our very eyes. Do you realize that close to 10 years had already passed by this time since Jesus had given his apostles their marching orders to tell the entire world about him? And do you further realize that in these same 10 years, Peter, Paul, John, and all the others, the heroes of our faith, champions for God, do you realize that in all that time, they had shared Jesus with zero Gentiles? The only people they had preached to were Jews, Jewish converts, and their spiritual half-brothers, the Samaritans. Ten years had gone by, and still, there was an anxious Gentile world ready and eager to give their lives to Christ and become new men and women of God, but still, no one had brought Jesus to them. That is, until that bright first century day in Acts chapter 10. Folks, what happened that day was utterly monumental, utterly remarkable, and utterly scandalous. When Peter came to Cornelius' house and shared Jesus with men, women, and children whose hearts had been prepared by the Holy Spirit to receive Christ, the floodgates of grace were opened, 
The Holy Spirit was poured out in power on the Gentiles in their own Pentecost, and a whole new section of heaven was opened up, labeled Gentiles Welcome, because Jesus died for your sins too. Oh, I praise God for that day, because friends, I'm a Gentile, and so are many of you. And if it weren't for the grace of God and the blood of Jesus, we would still be in as hopeless a situation as Peter thought we were when he woke up that first century morning, before the Lord opened his eyes. Peter was a teachable man. In spite of his upbringing, listen to what he learned from the Lord in Acts 10, 28. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. And then again in Acts 10, verses 34 and 35. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. Friends, Peter learned a deep and profound truth from God that day. I ask you, have you learned that same truth? And are you living out the practical implications in your life? It is so easy, you know, being comfortable avoiding people we have negative feelings towards. So I ask you today, who are the people in your life who you have little or no interest in sharing Jesus with? What characterizes these people? Do you have a problem with their race, their age, their looks, their social standing, their lifestyles? What is it? Who are these people in your life today? These words were found scribbled on a children's clubhouse wall one day. Nobody act big. Nobody act small. Everybody act medium. <laughs> I ask you, are you big enough to welcome medium-sized people? Does your view of heaven, does your view of God's love match up with the Bibles? And is it big enough to fit nations and generations of medium-sized people? You see, when a first-century example of God's grace met Peter in Palestine, he had a hard time accepting it because if God could accept Cornelius every bit as much as the great Simon Peter, that pillar of truth, then that meant that God loved them both the same. And Peter had a hard time swallowing that pill of truth from God. And when a 20th century example of God's grace met many Christians in Florida, they had a hard time accepting it too. Because if God could accept Ted Bundy, every bit as much as the third generation member of a church in Florida, then that meant that God loved them both the same too. In spite of what they've done or haven't done, in spite of where they've been or haven't been, in spite of who they are or who they aren't. Friends, I ask you, is that a tough pill for you to swallow today? What's holding you back from sharing Jesus with the forgotten and lost, the eager but ignored subculture, or group of untouchables in your life? Is it fear of rejection? Or is it at a very deep level, the fear of admitting that Jesus loves you no more than he loves them? I close today with this story. 
A while ago, a friend of mine accepted Christ, but then had problems after his conversion because, as a native Canadian, many of his family and friends exerted great pressure on him not to conform to the white man's religion. Friends, Christianity is not a white man's religion. Rather, it is every man's religion. Jesus wasn't even white himself, and he certainly doesn't love me any more than you or any other person. Brothers and sisters, there is only one place for pride in the church, and that is hanging there, crucified on the cross of Jesus Christ. The book of Acts is about the growth of an expanding mission. But until we crucify the pride in our lives that prevents us from sharing and rejoicing in the trophies of God's grace, the miracles of salvation in the lives of every man and woman, there will never be a completely happy ending to the book that's being written about us. For the sake of the Corneliuses and the Bundys in your lives, tell the pride in your life where to go today. And let's get on with doing what Jesus has called us to do. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.